Hi everyone and welcome to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. I'm your host Dr. Rahat. Today's episode is for all those parents who are struggling with disciplining their child. In children of younger age group, obedience is driven either by love or fear. But once they grow up and get all independent, the discipline gets kicked out. In today's episode, we're going to discuss about various aspects of discipline and also learn some tangible tips and tricks that are easy to apply. For giving us a better insight into child discipline techniques, we have with us a special guest all the way from New Jersey, USA. She is the founder of the Behaved Brain Wellness Center, a licensed professional counselor, a board-certified behavior analyst and an integrative health coach. She has been in practice working with parents, families and children for 15 years. She organizes her closet in a rainbow and does things on increments of 5 minutes. Please welcome Katie Rose Gately. Hi, how are you? Hi, Katie. <laughs> Quite the introduction. Yes, it was. And before we get to the show, I'm really curious. I want to know about your closet. I mean, it's a nice thing to do, but can you maintain it even after multiple rounds of laundry through the week? So I don't always maintain it, but I do do. I'd say like a biweekly maintenance of my rainbow coordination. Um, my storage is also rainbow coordinated. I'm a behavioralist. We like we like organization. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is amazing. That is really nice. And uh, also, I want to know what is the deal with doing things on five minute increments of five minutes. I didn't get that quite. I don't know. You know what? It started with me hitting the snooze button, and I just feel like I'd give myself a couple extra minutes of sleep if I had. You know, if I got up at nine thirty-five. Well, not that I was getting up that late, but versus nine thirty-two, but. You know, it just became a, pr- a pretty OCD habit. <laughs> okay, so always giving yourself some extra time to you know, okay, I'm going to begin in the next five minutes, kind of thing. Yep, exactly, and then it gives you some time. <laughs> <laughs> That was quite interesting. Okay, so let's dive right in, and I'm so ready to pick up your brain now. <laughs> okay, so the first one is, um, they say that change begins from home. We're talking about parenting discipline, discipline techniques for kids. Uh, for example. There's a child who is acting out or expressing himself in a rude or violent manner. Then, how will adjusting the home environment help us to avoid this negative behavior? So, I find in my experience that kids, even though their behaviors can maybe disruptive to us, they're usually acting out to express something that's going on with them or gain access to the control in their environment. Um, so the more control that we're able to give them in an appropriate way in their environment actually pays off. Um, so in adjusting schedules and setting out house expectations. So for example, saying you know in our house we're going to focus on kindness and keeping our hands to ourselves and we're going to clean up after ourselves and those are the expectations that we have. I mean. These are. This is what we're going to do as a family. And if you don't do these things, these are what the consequences are. And having that conversation up front can really help the kids stay more in control, so that when they do hit or they do act out, you're able to say, "Well, this is what you did, and this is the consequence that now we discussed." You know, obviously, at a toddler stage, which I know you have 
you have some toddlers at home. Yeah. Um, you have to really do a lot more like picture schedules. And there's a lot of like, I'm a big fan of the Berenstein Bears. I don't know if you have those, but um, they're like from the 80s, These this book of bear families, but they go through a lot of rules and expectations about doing chores and eating healthy and taking care of our bodies and, and, and being kind. And I think if you can teach kids on how to do that and set those expectations visually, it really helps them feel in control. The visual cues and schedules are huge with children, you know, setting out routines, um, dress schedules, what a checklist, those kind of things. It helps kids know what's expected of them. And it helps you start to be able to set those boundaries. And then you see the acting out over control decrease. That's right. Actually, uh, before starting to uh, inculcate any discipline, we discipline can be introduced uh, in a younger child age group, as you said, in their day-to-day -day routines. That's the best way to introduce discipline to them. And then we can move on to uh, good manners and uh, how they're expected to behave in the house. But then, as you said, pictorial diagrams are best for a toddler age group. That is um, a really good yep. one. Yep. So uh, moving on, how important is it to validate a child's feelings? So I actually use, when I'm working with kids, that's the number one, the first thing that I do when some, when a child, if a child's starting to um, show precursors to a tantrum or become agitated or upset, the first thing that I say to them is I understand this is a frustrating situation or I can, t I know you really, really want that cookie and mom's saying no, that's frustrating. How does that feel for you? And just kind of give them the words and validate because what happens when you do that is they kind of that like limbic brain reptilian stress response kind of just decreases. You know, they kind they are able to relax a little bit. They feel heard. They don't feel like they need to yell louder and prove their point. You know, I know they're not able to verbalize all of this, but if you're able to just, yeah, I get it. This is, this is hard. You don't want to clean your room, but the problem is we have to clean your room before we can go outside and play or before we can go have our cookie or whatever it is that you're you know, helping that they're asking for. So, you know, you can, you can validate them and it helps them do two things. It helps them calm down, but it also, you're providing that language of self-advocacy and being able to express their feelings as they develop. And that is huge when you're dealing with children and emotional regulation. Actually, very, very nice. And also I'd like to add that uh, making a con a time when the child is actually angry or frustrated. So what is the usual response of a parent? That, Don't do that. That's not expected of you. Or I, how many times mm -hmm. I told him not to do that. This is the usual response that we do. Rather, instead of that, if we just switch the uh, focus to something that's a more productive conversation, that, okay, just like you said, validate what they're saying. That, okay, you seem angry now. You, you seem agitated now. And providing them mm -hmm. with a proper outlet to express mm -hmm. themselves. That is going to help For them sure. in the long run. Definitely. It helps their, and it helps them develop problem solving. Like this feeling is okay, but how are we going to get through it together? What are we, what can we do? Cause you can't yell and scream at me. So let's, you know, what are we going to do? What's the next step? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've also found that to be so true in my toddlers. Uh, they feel that screaming uh, really loud on top of their lungs is going to help them get their point through to me. And then when all of a, when all of a sudden I started uh, introducing these, I, I'm obviously doing a lot of research to practice some positive and gentle parenting. And when I came across these things and I started practicing them, so if they get all agitated and get, throw a fit of tantrum, instead of myself showing the same reaction to them, I'm like absolutely calm. I bend down to their level or my knees. And I'm like, okay, do you want to say something? And they're like, okay, what is this reaction from my mom? Yeah, what all am of I doing? <laughs> 
exactly but it did um, work one of the major one of the things that i learned early on in my career is staying neutral so really making sure cuz it's hard as a parent it's much harder for me to do with my own kids than it is in my practice but if you can take a deep breath before you say anything and try to keep your face very neutral and your voice very calm it de-escalates the situation. And it also, the one thing that you have to pay, and I know I'm sure it'll come up later on too, but you want to make sure you're not reinforcing their, them with attention. So a lot of times when parents yell or scream or react to a negative behavior, the child is actually getting reinforcement from that. They're getting attention, even though it's negative attention and they're getting yelled at. So they'll learn a lot to, oh, well, when mom's mad at me or dad's mad at me, if I yell, then, you know, they get mad too. And, and it kind of becomes a power struggle a little bit. So if you can stay neutral and pay attention to your facial expressions and just stay calm, like exactly what you just said, you, you're also from a behavioral standpoint, taking that reinforcement piece away. Um, and it, and it can help break that cycle of power struggle with kids. That was a really interesting perspective. I'm so going to try that on my toddlers. Okay, so for the next one, uh, here's an example. Uh, there's a mom who always runs to her kid's rescue every time there is a problem. Uh, his tower broke down or a kid hit her in school or every time he falls. This kind of behavior is wrong, yet quite common. And we unconsciously engage in it under the pretext of concern or care for our child. It will definitely hamper the development of problem-solving abilities in our kids. So how can we address this problem? And here we need to work on ourselves as parents. What can we do about this? I mean, I, I see a lot of moms who feel such fear about their children not feeling happy or feeling uncomfortable with those negative feelings or that they're going to get hurt. And I feel like we almost bring our own emotions into it kind of, you know obviously like we what you just said with taking care of ourselves we we react out of our emotions and we're seeing our our babies hurt and we want to make it go away we want to take that away which is great as a parent you're loving you're engaged you're emotionally attached but but what happens is you can actually create this like over-reliance on you. So it's not allowing your child to become independent or learn those, those self-help skills. So if, if your child falls and you're able to say, Oh, you know, that validate, right? Like that, that looks like it really hurts. What can we do about it? We should do, should we get, you know, do you need to get a bandaid? Do you want to get up and play? Let's just brush off the dirt, you know, and have them move on and help them learn how to take care of themselves, I guess is what I'm saying. I think, that will help their confidence, that helps their own independence, um, you know, and it, it will help them rely on for problem solving versus coming to you for every need that they have in their, in their life. That was really nice, actually. Uh, yeah, because uh, constantly running to our kids to help them is totally going to hamper how, whether they will develop some problem, just because we're not giving them a chance to do it on their own, to solve that problem on their own, they will, even later on, they will not learn in their lives as to how to handle these things on their own. Because every time this happened in their childhood, they had their mom run behind, run to them to solve that problem. Yeah, and even, I mean, I know if they're, there's someone, but even with the hitting them at school, you know, when you have child to child conflict, you want to protect your child. But I think really talking to them, like, what can you say to the person that's hitting you? Yeah. What, who can you tell? How do you ask for help in that situation? And talking through and even doing more role play 
with your child can help them develop those problem solving skills and learn that self-advocacy of when someone comes into my space or when I get hurt, this is what I do about it. You know, it, it helps them really build those tools, which, you know, especially in this world today is very important. Really, with cases of not even not only physical abuse, but also sexual abuse, we need to keep, teach our kids so many different things that we as kids want, or maybe there wasn't a need to teach us, but then now they've become so important. And as you said, role play for these things is going to be really nice. So that the child knows that these kind of problems do exist and how to react when he comes across such problems. Right, exactly. Okay, so now coming down to business, how do we set boundaries? Once we do that, Okay, now suppose we have a set of rules and we've laid them, we've explained to them that kids, this is what we expect out of you, one, two, three. And now these are going to be the consequences of it. Everything's done and we're practicing it, we're awakened to it. Now, once we do that and the kids don't get their way, then there's a huge flood of emotions. How do we teach them to cope up with their emotions in such situations when they're not getting what they want? Because that's usually the times when our boundaries are put to test. For sure. And obviously we're talking so much about validation and helping them develop a voice. So you have to, you want them to have their own opinions and know that they're able to express them in a safe way and feel attached to doing that, handling those strategies. But as, but what, what it does come down to is that in a family, you know, adults have a stronger frontal lobe than children do. Like we are the CEOs of our family. And um, just as a CEO does not allow an employee to dictate every single rule in their company, a family, a parent should not allow the child to have so much voice over like what the rules are. You can have the conversation, you can explain the why and the reasoning behind it, but you need to let your children know that you ultimately are the one in charge. I think with all of the positive parenting and all the, you know, we feel so conflicted as parents, right? We don't want to harm our kids, but this research says this, this research says that. And you feel like, well, if I discipline my child, I'm scarring them for life. If I don't discipline my child, they're going to be sociopaths. You know, like we don't have, uh, there's no clear guidance. So, so true. that's like, that. us, that's actually like a constant struggle in my mind, you know, is am I being too harsh? Mm -hmm. Am I being too strict with my children? That's so true. Right. I feel like, it's so, and so when you go to the positive parenting side, you're, a lot of times we see so many behaviors because the kids are confused. They're like, am I, in, am I allowed to have control over this? Like sometimes my mom lets me take my iPad, but now she's saying no, it's confusing. So kids do need structure. And I think that kind of what the first point we touched on, but setting the expectation of you're, you're important, your opinion's important, I'm gonna talk to you about it. But at the end of the day, I expect you to do these things, you know, and if you don't do these things, then you have consequences. And I think being consistent as a parent and feeling confident in yourself as a parent, that those rules are important for you to teach your kids. And I'm sure what you have in your house might be different from what I have in my house, as far as, you know, what values you feel are important. Like I'm big on kindness and respect. That's what I'm saying. Are you being kind right now? Are you being respectful right now? Um, but I'll put my, I, I do, I, I put my kids in time out. I'll have them do acts of kindness as consequences. I think that life in itself has consequences, right? So um, I, th I think that we shouldn't feel guilty as implementing that, but going back to just structure, validation, feeling calm, 
I mean, I know I'm talking a long time. It's a very long-winded answer, but I just, I wanted, you know, I think there's so much parental guilt around implementing those boundaries. And those boundaries are ultimately what will set your child up for success because the world has boundaries. They're going to be expected to listen to their bosses and their teachers and, and cooperate in society, you know? Right. And actually, like you said, uh, the basic principles of parenting around most cultures and all houses are the same. And like you said, uh, practicing respect and ki- respect and kindness is a very good way to start. And the best way to start it is in the toddler age group. Can you highlight something more on that as to, you know, like some examples on how we can inculcate kindness and respect in our kids? So I usually if for example if my son tends to yell and scream at my daughter or vice versa i'll have him say it over again I'll just say, to get some perspective really... uh, just to get some perspective uh, how old are they oh sorry uh, my son is going to be seven and my daughter is three and a half so she's a complete three-nager as we like <laughs> to call her um but uh they you know they get along fairly well but obviously every family you know hits. so um he'll yell and she'll react. And so I kind of try to stop them and say, that wasn't kind. How could you ask that again? How could you tell her differently? Or if he does something that she doesn't like and she's overreacting, how can you tell him? So you, you have to be able to be engaged in that moment to give them that language. But as they get older, um, they are able to do more on their self. And I actually hear them say like, that wasn't kind how can you ask me nicely or that hurt my feelings can you tell me differently oh my gosh so that's, one, that's one way i do it obviously if they're going into each other's space uh, they'll get time out and i do try to be fairly consistent with any discipline techniques that i put in because i i feel like kids are you give an inch they take a mile you yeah know? absolutely so, sure you, so true um, that was so, so. sweet <laughs> Yeah, actually, that means in the long run, if you just keep on being persistent about any new discipline technique that you've started, it is actually going to work eventually when you see your child, nothing's better than seeing your child actually acted out and, you know, act accordingly the way you laid down the rules. That is Yeah, you feel like you're winning. You get like, yeah, exactly. That's my trophy there. (laughs) Yeah, small wins, small Uh wins every day. And I think that's where parental self-care comes in, you know, just making sure that you're able to keep keep yourself in control, like do the things for yourself, even if it's like a good 20 minute morning routine or evening routine, because I don't know about you, but I find on the days that I'm more burnt or I'm running to meetings, I'm shorter with my kids or I'm not as present with them. And I see their behaviors increase and I, and it's more difficult for me to intervene in a positive way or a productive way. Um, so I think that obviously goes with the parental guilt that we put on ourselves, but if you're able to fill your own cup, I think that's where you really see a lot of, um, leaps and bounds with your kids. Cause you're, you're there, you're available for them. Right. It's actually like a vicious cycle. Like there's one day when you're really busy, you need to get things done on time. And that's the only day when your two kids choose to act out. And oh, then, like, yeah, feel the energy. <laughs> seriously, that's like universal uh, in the mom world. But uh, yeah. like you said, we need to actually work on ourselves. And a morning, 20 minute morning routines, I actually try to be consistent with them. But then God help me. <laughs> I know. Well, especially with two little kids, I'm sure they're waking you up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> exactly. When my kids were really little, I used to hide in my closet with a cup of coffee and just like 
take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And I do like five deep breaths, take my coffee. And then I go, I'm like, all right, that's all I needed. I needed a second. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is so nice. Okay. So uh, yeah, we discussed tons of strategies and behavior plans today to address many challenging behaviors in children. But what to do if they aren't working? What could be the probable reasons for the failure of most of our behavioral plans? So with behavior, there's usually three or four different sources. You have to look at what's causing the behavior, which is difficult to do. And I, that's part of what my degree is in, but kids are usually doing, engaging in the behavior for, for three things to kind of simplify it. It's attention to gain access to something or because they are trying to escape something that they don't want to do. So you're telling them to clean their room and they're trying to avoid it, or they want a cookie and you're telling them no or you're ignoring them and they're doing something to get your attention. So depending on what is causing the behavior and why they're acting the way that they are, you respond in a different way, right? So if your child is trying to get out of something and engaging in the behavior to get out of cleaning the room, let's take that example. You would step one, validate. I get it, you don't wanna clean your room, but you don't allow them to have that behavior escape the demand that you're putting on them to clean their room. If you need to help them break it down into steps and tasks, like first let's put your clothes in the drawer, then pick up your to- pick up your dolls and put them in the box. You can do it that way. Do not allow them to have their tantrum escape that demand, right? Same with game- gaining access to something. If they're screaming and crying, you see it in the grocery store. Well, when we used to go to the grocery store, yeah. <laughs> you'd see, you know, a mom cry, a kid screaming, you're so embarrassed. You give them, okay, here, just, and that one thing they're learning, right? So um, making sure that if they're screaming because they want access to a cookie, have them ask nicely, shape the behavior you want to see before you give them access to what they want. And with attention, that's kind of what we had already talked about earlier in our discussion, but making sure you're staying neutral and you're not giving them a negative or overly positive reaction to a behavior you don't want to see. You know, so sometimes if you're giving a timeout procedure or a timeout consequence to a child who's doing something for attention, that can actually reinforce the behavior because you're paying attention to them and having this whole conversation about going into timeout. So one thing that you would use, one thing that can work is doing, a, I call it reverse timeout. Well, behavioral, behavioral, everybody calls it a reverse timeout, but essentially I just tell my parents that I work with, put in your headphones. Pretend you're listening to music and say, I'm not going to talk to you until you can be kind and let make sure they're safe, but ignore them nicely until they're, you know, calm or they're acting appropriate. And then that way you're taking the reinforcement of you being how angry you're talking to them away. And then you're giving them and rewarding them with your attention when they're on par with what they're supposed to be doing. Oh, that, I know I'm a long-winded person, (laughs) So, no, that was really nice. Actually, uh, what you said about, you know, a negative behavior happening, that is your child craving for attention, doing something really bad, like hitting the sibling. And he knows that hitting the sibling is the worst one. That is that my parents are going to really act out when I do that. And we actually do that. Our response is something huge, like, okay, go sit in timeout and a huge lecture followed by that. And what we actually did is we gave him what he wanted. And slowly, slowly, a time after time, when the same behavior is repeated, the effects of our discipline techniques are waving off. And that is such a nice technique that you gave, stay, staying neutral, or what, what did you call it? 
I stay, yeah, staying neutral and staying calm. Yep. Yes. Staying calm and staying neutral at the time is so good because not giving them the attention that they're craving for is going to be so helpful. Okay. So moving on, positive reinforcements are a great tactic to keep your child motivated and still not get bogged down by all the praise. So how can we use this psychological construct to our benefit when it comes to parenting? So I think it's really important to, you know, and you can even take a step back and write down like, what are the, what are the behaviors and, and what is important for you to see in your child, right? Make sure that you have, you're paying attention and praising those behaviors. Like, I love the way you were so kind to your sister or thank you so much for helping me fold the laundry or um, I love the way that you're playing so nicely in your room or however, I mean, however, whatever you see, try not to praise and pay attention to the negative behaviors. You know, um, I think it's really important to be very direct with what you're praising. So like you can say, great job, or I love the way you're playing, but give them really good feedback. Like you're, you cleaned your room. So obviously I'm very about cleaning, (laughs) but you cleaned your room so nicely. You put everything away. I'm really proud of you. That was great. You know, give them the, the, the exact behavior that they engaged in that you're happy with. And then the more you pay attention to that, you're reinforcing that behavior through your praise. Right. So it's not like just using a set of adjectives, like very good, you did great and all that, but rather showing them what was the actual task that we liked and how they can get even more better at it. Mm -hmm, For sure. And you can use um, like sticker systems and there's, um, we use a a mason jar system a lot because it's easy for parents to maintain where you're kind of like putting a tangible item in a jar, but you can also give them some form of visual cue where with, you know, that was a great job. I loved the way that you helped your sister out or, you know, great job. You sat quietly while mommy was on a call. You listened to what I asked you to do, like whatever it is, but you can give them a visual to pair with the praise too. And that will help them feel like they're achieving something. Yeah, absolutely. Mason jars. And we actually do this to stick our system for our potty training that's going on currently, but then it actually works like a charm. Yeah, it does. Potty training's a a beast. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. That's like a totally this uh, discussion for another episode. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, guys. So that was it from our side. And Katie, thank you so much for such an insightful session. But we won't let you go just now. You have to tell us something more about your Behave Brain Wellness Center. Because guys, first things, you all can find Katie on her Instagram, the Behave Brain. And I'm going to be linking it in the show notes. And I'm a huge fan of her content and all her posts. Each of them are like a little parenting uh, tip and trick in them, their own selves. Can you tell us something about how the idea came up and what it is about? Thank you so much. Yeah, I um, so I've been in a therapist for, as you said, 15 years, but I started the Behave Brain nine years ago um, when I started to see that there was a disconnect between implementing behavioral plans and not really coaching parents, but also um, we weren't, I shouldn't say nobody does because a lot of people do, but I think that looking at the, the entire child, all the aspects that are affecting the child, their diet, their sleep, their screen time exposure, their exercise, how you are responding to them. I think looking and coming up with a plan that addresses all of those things really helps optimize the health of a child. Um, So that was my kind of driving force. So I've developed this therapy practice that helps implement these brain health techniques 
Um, we do a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy with this emphasis on brain awareness and health. Um, and then I started my Instagram and just started kind of posting some tips uh, because I think there's a huge level of stress on parents. And I think there's such a lack of um, information out there. So I just wanted to start sharing and and also the lack of good information and correct information. Otherwise there's tons of crap lying out there when it comes to parenting. <laughs> Every other very person true. has an advice if you're a parent or you've got kids, but then the right information and to find a good credible source is quite difficult to find. Very true. Very true. Well, I'm very pleased that you found me to be a credible source and it was so great talking with you. I had a great conversation. It was a pleasure to have you. And guys, you can also find more resources on Katie's website, www.behavedbrain.com. And on Facebook and Instagram as the Behaved Brain Wellness Center. Do look for the links in the show notes. And thank you so much, Katie. Thank you so much. It was so fun. That's it from our side, guys. Until then, happy parenting. That's it for today. Do subscribe to my podcast so you will be notified each time a new episode is online. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn as Dr. Mommy Speaks. Don't forget to like and review our podcast wherever you listen. It will help others to find this podcast. And you can visit our website drmommyspeaks.com forward slash podcast for all our show notes and any resources mentioned by me or my guests. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Until then, happy parenting!